Welcome. It's really good to see you. If this is your first time with us, you are very welcome to Good First. Uh, my name is Nina, and I am married to Josh, and we have two children. We have Freddie, who's out uh, kids' work, and we have Oscar, who's over there being looked after. Uh, and as a church, we really value scripture. We believe the Bible is relevant for us today. It has authority over our lives. And we are currently working through John. Uh, and it's been so good looking through John and looking at who Jesus really is. So that's why the, the sort of the, what do you call it, the title of this uh, long series is called Real Jesus. And today uh, I'm going to be finishing off uh, the short mini-series. I've had the theme of joy. So last week I looked at joy being based in John 15. Joy, um, looking at how we can have joy in all of life, despite our circumstances, because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Um, and it's so good to know who Jesus is. So we looked at reasons for joy, uh, why we can have joy, and how that leads to a lifestyle of joy. And so I'm going to continue that this week. And this is what George Muller says about joy. Now, George Muller... You will have heard of him, especially if you were here last week. Uh, he was born in Germany, and he moved over to the UK to start and found different orphanages, children's homes, it's easier for me to say. And a very interesting guy, this is what he says about joy. It's up on screen. The first and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. So before we carry on with our everyday tasks, this is some encouragement for us to make sure that we are happy in God. Um, you will have heard that because I read it last week, but I think it's just so good to be reminded. Before we move on to whatever we're doing, whatever our jobs are, if we're at home, if we're working, to have our soul happy in God. I've asked Carla, because I want to read uh, John 15 again, verse 1 to 17, and just to remind us what we looked at last week. You don't need... Oh, do you want to come here, Carla? Yeah, come here, if that's okay. Oops. <clears throat> uh, I am the true vine, and my father is the garden. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You were already clean because of the word I've, I have spoken to you, remaining me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. <clears throat> I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branch branches are picked up throw into the fire and burn it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and you'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My comment is this, love each other 
as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Excellent. Thank you very much, Carla. So we are still based in John 15, and our theme is looking at how we can have joy in all of life, despite our circumstances. So last week, as I said, we looked at reasons for joy, why we can have joy, uh, and then we looked at what, do the, what does this look like, li a lifestyle of joy. This week, I'll have two parts. I want to look at how to keep this joy. How do we hold on to joy? And we read before uh, John 15, in chapter 10, verse 10, we read this, which I have also on the screen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. And I think the enemy, Satan, is who I'm talking about, he will do everything he can to throw us off task, to distract us, uh, to take away our joy, to kill it, uh, to sip in lies. And I think when the world looks at Christianity, it sees, uh, if, you, you know, if you talk to people who don't know Jesus, they have an op opinion that it's dead. It's boring. It's full of, of laws, uh, full of rules. And it's completely the opposite. Because Jesus is saying, in me you will have life. And you will have it to the full. It's a promise that he's giving us. He's warning us that the enemy will do everything he can to, to sort of distract us and get us away from what our purpose is. But he's saying, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. In Jesus we have life. We have joy, and there's so much more in Jesus. He's a good father. So I want to look at three things uh, which will help us to keep joy this morning. The list could be long, but I'm only going to look at three things. The first thing uh, on how, which will help us to look at how can we keep joy is fix our eyes on Jesus and celebrate him. Because we read in John 15 that Jesus is the vine, yeah? And Jesus being the vine, and we are the, uh, the branches. And any plant or any bush or any tree cannot live by itself. The branches must be attached to the stem because that's where the transport system is. You know, that's where the water is being transported. That's where all the sugars, sorry, science is coming in. <laughs> and we need to be attached. A branch must be attached to the stem and to the roots. And Jesus is saying this, he says, fix your eyes on me, yeah, abide in me, if you read the ESV version, remain in me, be with me, get to know me, be in my presence, and you will bear fruit, okay, and we learn, you know, one of those fruits will be joy, and because of that, being in Jesus' presence, fixing our eyes on him, and who he is, we can have joy in all of life. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. 
And if we read, I mean, Carla read it to us, and we read it last week. In John 15, he's saying it over and over again, remain in me. It's like we need to be, repetition is good. Okay, be with me, be in my presence. And I think we need to find out what helps us engage with God and do it. So what I mean is, what activities or, you know, yeah, activities that, that will, what activities do you do that help you engage with God? That makes you happy in God? So for example, for me, I like to be outdoors. You know, walking, running slowly, not very fast at the moment anyway. Being outdoors with the dog on my own, that's how I connect with God. I feel close to him. He speaks to me, I can speak to him, and I come home happy in God. Now, if you're outside and all you can think about is how cold and wet it is, or snowy today, then outside is not going to work for you. But do something, find whatever it is, what activity it is, that will help you engage with God and then make that a habit, yeah. which can be busy, which can be difficult, obviously, in busy seasons and tiring seasons. But we need to. Our branches, we are branches. We cannot live without Jesus. Apart from me, he says, we can do nothing. Yeah. So the first point is fix your eyes on Jesus and see who he is. Remain in him. Get to know him. That is how you keep your joy. Yeah. Then as we follow on in John 16, these, these chapters, 14, 15, 16, they are basically Jesus is preparing the disciples that he's leaving them. Mm-hmm. He's sort of having important conversations with them, preparing them mentally. And he, Jesus is saying, I'm going away. I'm leaving you. And the disciples are a little bit worried. They're a little bit confused. They don't fully understand what Jesus is saying. And he's saying this in John uh, 16. He says, there will be be a moment of sorrow and sadness. You will weep when I leave you. But that sorrow will turn into joy. And you will see me again, Jesus says. And what he's referring to is he's referring to his resurrection. After he's been on the cross... And he's been resurrected again. He's saying, you will see me again and you will rejoice and your sorrow uh, will turn into joy. You will get a joy that no one can take away because mm. the disciples are able to see after Jesus has been on the cross, he's died. He's done the biggest rescue mission here on earth. He's died. He's rose again. Roast? You probably don't say that. Rose again. And he's been resurrected Disciples see Jesus for who he really is. And their sorrow turns into joy. And when we see Jesus for who he really is, when we begin to, when we see who he is, our King, our God, when we see him for who he really is and we begin to celebrate him and delight in him, joy comes. I'll explain this a little bit further. Andrew Wilson uh, is on the next slide. He says this. He talk, He has written a really good book, which you've heard me speak about before. The life you never expected. It's not just him. It's him and his wife. They've written, uh, yeah, a book about their lives. And he says this about celebrating. Joy comes from celebrating. This sounds upside down to many of us. We assume that celebrating comes as a result of joy, but in biblical terms, it is the right way up. Okay, I had to read this quite a few times. Maybe it's just my tired brain. But um, basically what he's saying is that when we celebrate God, when we delight in him, 
joy comes. Mm. So when we see Jesus for who he really is, like the disciples did, or like Jesus is telling the disciples in chapter 16, that they will see Jesus for who he really is after he's been resurrected, they delight in him, they begin to celebrate him, mm. and joy comes. Mm. Mm. This is different to the world, because if you, if, let's say a team, if you follow football, the football team scores a goal, we feel happy, we celebrate. Mm. We get a new job, we feel happy, and we celebrate. Mm. Something happens in life that makes us happy and we celebrate. Here, it's a complete opposite. What we are told is that we come to celebrate God and delight in him and joy comes. It's the other way around. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And this is good news for us because actually, actually we are not always happy and smiling. Well, I, I'm not anyway. Maybe you, maybe you all are. And if we come and we are expected, so if we are you know, coming on a Sunday morning and actually if we're being real with each other, it could actually be a really hard week. It's a miracle that you are here. It's a miracle that I'm here. A miracle we're dressed. And it's like, oh, you sit down, I'm here. But actually you don't feel particularly, you're not filled with joy. But Jesus is saying this, joy is dependent on me. Look at me. Look who I am. See who I am. What I've got for you. Celebrate me. Worship me. We looked at joy-filled worship last week. And joy will come. It is the opposite to what happens in the world. Because we're not always going to be happy. So this is good news. Joy is not dependent on me. I'm very happy about that. Joy is not dependent on you. It's dependent on who Jesus is. So that's my first point. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See who he really is. And then celebrate him. And joy will come. And we can keep hold of that joy. Number two on how to keep joy is read the Bible. We read, and Jesus says in verse 7, uh, chapter 15, verse 7, he says, Abide in me and in my word. Remain in me and in my word. When he says word, he talks about this. He talks about the Bible. He talks about scripture. And he's saying, read it. Abide means obey. Read it. Get to know it. Dwell in it. Because the Bible is the biggest source of joy that there is. If you want to have more joy, can I encourage you? Get to know this. This is the living word of God. This is powerful. When we get to know scripture and we begin to speak it, there is power in that as well. If we speak biblical truth to ourselves, there is power in that as well. Or biblical truth to each other. So my encouragement is to hold on to joy, is to remember scripture, and when things get tough, let's say you suddenly just feel overwhelmed with anxiety, or worry about what tomorrow is going to hold. Remember what Jesus says about anxiety in Matthew, and repeat it, and say it over and over again. David, King David, in the Psalms, he talks to himself. And that's good. I'm glad he does, because I do. I was talking to myself the, the other week, uh, reminding me of myself of a scripture, and I forgot that Freddie was with me. So I was feeling very anxious uh, about Oscar, and I just felt overwhelmed. Anxiety can overwhelm you. It can make you paralyzed. And I began to repeat scripture, and I repeated it and repeated it. And I looked, and Freddie was like, 
okay, mama, okay, mama, okay, mama. And I was like, oh, sorry, Freddie, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that he was there. But it's powerful. Repeating scripture is powerful. And David says this in Psalm 42, verse 5 to 6. He says this, why are you downcast, O oh, my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And I think if we're going to keep on to our, if we're going to hold on to joy, we need to speak biblical truth to ourselves and each other a lot more than we listen to ourselves. Because sometimes if we listen to ourselves too much, it's not that good or helpful. Know the Bible, get to know it. That, this is our ultimate source of joy. And the final point on how to keep joy, let's go see how I'm doing for time, yeah, is be part of church family. So church is being family. We see that in scripture, we see that in the New Testament. It's not just going to church on a Sunday and then going back and then not see anyone for a week. It's about being family together. We need relationships. We are created and made for friendships and family. We can't do this on our own. And Matt Hatch is a church leader uh, from a New Frontiers church. I think it's, yeah, he's a church leader from the UK. And he says this, I really liked his quote when I read it, so I'm including it. One of the greatest needs of the human heart is relationships and to feel part of a group. We need to feel that we belong. We need family. We need church. And family can at times be messy because we're real with each other. We can be who we are. So it is a bit messy. It can be a bit chaotic. But I believe that we cannot live for Jesus on our own effectively. It is dangerous to live on your own. We need to be together. We need to have people around us who love us. And because they love us, they will challenge and speak to us. It's not like, oh yeah, you know, I love you. Keep, you know, it is, it, you love someone. If you love someone, you care about them and what they're doing. So you challenge people, you speak truth to people, and you can be real with each other. We need discipleship. And what I mean by that is getting alongside one another. I know that we do, that's happening during the week anyway. And that is great. Can I encourage you to do that even more? Not to be isolated, but to spend time with people, read the Bible, see what Jesus has got to say about things. We are made for relationships. We are made for church. We can't do it without church. It's dangerous to try and live a Christian life without church family. Um, and so if we want to hold on to our joy, three tips is fix your eyes on Jesus Remember who he is. Celebrate him. Mm. Abide in his word. Read the Bible. Dwell in scripture. It is not old-fashioned. It is so relevant for us today. Mm. And we need church family. This is how we hold on to joy. There are other things as well, but these are really important things. The next part of, of what I want to look at is how not to hold on to joy, basically how to lose joy. Uh, because Jesus says in, in chapter 10, verse 10, he talks about the enemy and how the enemy will want to steal, kill and destroy us, especially if we are being effective. 
And, and that's what Jesus says. That's what it says in the Bible. And there's two things um, that will help us or two things not to do on how to lose joy. I'm getting myself confused, but how to lose joy. <laughs> okay, this is a list of not, what not to do. Uh, number one is forgetting our identity. I touched on this, and it was so good even during worship. You know, I'm a child by God. Yes, that's, that's who I am. Last week, I talked about reasons for joy, and this is very close uh, to that. If we forget our identity, that our identity is Christ that we are in him, if we try to be good and earn God's love, it's going to be depressing. We might be able to do it for one or two days. If we're very good, maybe a week. And then this bad thought comes in and we are down again. The reality is no one, no matter how good we are, will never be able to meet the standard of a holy God. We need Jesus. And if we try to earn God's love, it's going to be depressing. It's going to take away joy. We need to understand our identity is Jesus. That's who we are. We are in him. We are loved by God. We are chosen by him. Mm-hmm. I, could do, I mean, we could have to spend the rest of the morning looking at that, but we did that last week. Don't forget who you are, that you are in Christ, and you are a child of God. That's super important to remember that, whatever you know, life is throwing at you, whether it's really good, the sun is shining, or whether you're finding yourself in the middle of a storm. Know who you are. Number two is disobedience. And that means not abiding in Christ. Not following what Jesus is saying is what I mean by disobedience. Let's just look at Jesus because I think we always need to look at Jesus and the example that he is to us. In John 14 verse 30, so again, Jesus is talking to his friends, his disciples, and he is telling them that he's leaving them. And this is what he says in John 14. I have this on the screen corner. Uh, verse 30. You can follow it on screen or read it in, in your own Bible. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And then in John 15, verse 9 to 11, which Carla read for us, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So we are loved by God. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Jesus, we need to understand, Jesus is fully God. Our glorious King Jesus. It's God in human form coming down to earth for the biggest rescue mission there is. Jesus being fully God, yet he's obedient to the Father. He's obedient. He says, I'll do exactly what the Father commands me to do. When Jesus is found in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's there with the disciples. He's praying just before he's about to be arrested to die. He, we read in Matthew and Luke that his soul is overwhelmed. In Luke, we read that he's sweating blood, uh, sweating um, droplets like blood. That's how much sweat. Uh, that's how much stress he's under. 
Jesus is stressed about what he's about to do. I can imagine he's scared. Yet King Jesus, fully God, says, I will do exactly what the Father is commanding me to do. And that was going to the cross. That was dying. Mm -hmm. That's how far he was willing to go. Mm -hmm. And we read in the garden, he's having a conversation with the Father, talking about, do I have to do this? And he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's who Jesus is. Fully God, yet obedient to the Father to the point of death. Even in a time of stress, of, of, of sweating blood, I don't think anyone has done that in here. I haven't anyway. It's extreme stress. Yet he says, yet not my will, but yours be done, Father. That's a challenge for us this morning. What about us? How far are we willing to go? I think Jesus is the ultimate example. Because the thing is, we cannot pick and choose what part of Jesus is teaching. When I say Jesus is teaching, I talk about scripture, I talk about the Bible. We cannot pick and choose what part we like and we don't like. He says, Jesus says in, in verse 7, chapter 15, he says, Abide in me and my word. Be in my presence and read my scripture, my word. And we cannot pick and choose. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. It's not a smorgasbord. If you've been to a Swedish smorgasbord, there's lots of nice food, and you pick what you like and what you want to eat. You can't go around and say, oh, I love, Jesus, what you're saying about remaining in your love, loving your neighbour, that's really good. Yes, I want that. <coughs> but Jesus, you're telling me that I need to forgive that person who's really hurt me, who's really done me wrong. I have to forgive him and love him? That's too far, Jesus. Not doing that. Marriage? Marriage doesn't fit in the culture anymore, Jesus. You need to keep up. It's too old-fashioned. Sex? Jesus, you're telling me that sex is to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife? The outside of marriage, it's wrong. It's a sexual sin. You're telling me that? Not for me, Jesus. We cannot be a people who pick and choose. That's not who Jesus is calling. That's not what Jesus wants. And you need to understand, Jesus is not standing over you and saying, you will do this, or... He's not like that. He loves you. He loves me. And he will stand and say, come on, that's not best for you. I know what is best for you. I know what you need. I love you. That is who Jesus is. But he is looking for people who will not compromise on things and who will follow what he says in his word. Yes, I mean, Freddie is such a good example on this. Freddie thinks he knows what's best all the time. Just yesterday, we had a lovely morning. I was doing preparation for this, and uh, we were doing Play-Doh. It's like a, a lira. It's salty that you can make yourself, and he was making all sorts of things. He was making food. Uh, he made some sausages that he later on said, I think, to Eric that it was poo. Uh, he made pizza. I'm thinking, this is going really well. Then he begins. <laughs> he begins to eat it. Eating poo, he says and puts it in his mouth. 
And we're like, Freddie, come on. I mean, we've told him this so many times. Freddie, it's not good for you. Don't eat this. It's salty. It's dirty. I mean, it's been on the floor and dog hair and all sorts. Don't eat it. And he runs away and he hides and he eats more. And he has this massive grin on his face. Because he thinks that's the best for him. That's fun. That's what he wants to do. And we're like, no, Freddie, come on. You know. We know what's best for you. And it's the same with Jesus. He knows what is best for us. You have to trust him. He knows what is best for you. And let's be people who will abide, remain, dwell in his word, and take it seriously. Know this. If you don't remember anything this morning, remember that you are loved by God. That is pretty good news and a reason to celebrate. Remember, you're loved by him, you're chosen by him. And Jesus is saying, come on, be with me, abide in me, remain in me, and in my word. Follow me. Don't compromise. And what we're going to do now is, uh, we have a little bit of time, we are going to worship Jesus, and we're just going to do exactly that. We're going to be in his presence. Uh, We are going to just enjoy him. I did feel God speak to me um, about two groups of people, uh, and I'm just going to share that. If it is any of you, great. If not, at least I've been obedient to what I felt God say to me. And uh, I felt God wanted to speak to two groups. One group is you feel that you have compromised recently. It could be anything. I think it's different for all of us. And it's time this morning to say again, not my will be done, but yours, Jesus. It's a moment to respond. To respond. And the second group is I, I've, um, I felt that you may find yourself in a storm right now, that things are actually really difficult. And you may feel like, oh, I just need to sort this storm out. I just need to sort this out. And then Jesus, meet with me. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to meet with you in the storm. Yeah. And he's here this morning. and He wants to love you, refresh you, mm-hmm. and just be with you. So if I could ask uh, if small group leaders, if, uh, whoever is here, if, uh, um, if you could just be available to pray, I will be here to pray. Because I'm going to ask you, if you feel that you belong, or if any of those two groups speak to you, I'm going to ask you to respond. And I think actually, I think sometimes it's important to physically respond, to forget what people, whoever you have around you, and just be with Jesus and to come to the front. I think sometimes it, we need to forget who's around us and just be with Jesus. So if you feel that you are in one of those two groups, or if you just want prayer and for anything else, then please come to the front. And we'll, I'd love to pray with you or any of the small group leaders as well. We're going to sing one or two songs depending on time, but let's stand. Let's enjoy who he is. Let's abide in him and be in his presence and worship him. And if you like prayer, please can you come to the front?